Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm here with my friend Scott. And I hope he's excited to get into this as I am, because... This album put me through the ringer this week, I'm going to be honest. And oh, yeah? we'll explain what that means as we go through. First, the background information up top. Emery, post-hardcore band founded in Rock Hill, South Carolina, currently from Seattle. They moved to Seattle on 9-11-2001. We mentioned that before, but that is a, mention that. a fun slash unfun fact that we'll have to <laughs> say every time. <laughs> right. uh, they released two EPs and one album before this, the EPs being the Columbus EEPV in 02 and the Week's End EP in 04. They then followed up with their debut album, the week's end in 2004 also and then they followed it up with the question the question is emery's second album and the question refers to every track title i don't know if you knew this oh so on the back of the album art it says where were you when i was and there's ellipses so every single track is where were you when i was misbehaving where were you when i was listening to freddie mercury so it's kind of like a an obscure concept album almost like the concept is i'm asking the questions okay oh wow okay if i had known that i might have taken this record differently i almost wanted to send it to you and tell you that but then i didn't know if that would change your perception of it because i'm gonna be honest i don't think i knew that until i listened to it yeah this time Oh, that's interesting. I thought that was something that wasn't done. I think it was it was a a more artistic way of approaching a second album. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Not a lot of uh, not a lot of bands would uh, have the waves to uh, <laughs> go after a concept album on their second record. I mean, at the same time, you could say it, it you know it doesn't really carry a concept throughout. It's just kind of the track listing. And I mean, the, yeah, but still the theme. I guess I guess rather than concept, we go theme. It's a theme album as opposed to a concept album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The question is twelve tracks. It runs exactly forty-one minutes. No change. There's no change on this. Thing. Really? It's forty-one on the dot. Dang. It was released August 2nd, 2005, and the deluxe version was released November 21st, 06, and included a DVD, five acoustic versions of previous tracks, and two new demos. Other albums that came out around the same time, because I'm going to be honest, I didn't know anything that came out basically the same day. Mm. August 1st, 
Madball's Legacy came out, oh. which was a, a a late Madball album. I love Madball. <laughs> and then August second, Willie Nelson put out his reggae album, Country Man. Oh Jesus Christ! If you wanted to guess which album by Willie Nelson this is like in his career, what number album do you think this is by Willie Nelson in August of two thousand and five? Oh my God, it's probably some ridiculously high number. Who knows when his career started? I, I have no idea. I'm guessing 20 something. It was his 53rd album. Oh my God. 53rd? Willie Nelson. Jesus, how? Three albums by 05. Oh my God. I didn't continue to do the research, but I wonder if that includes greatest hits, compilations, things like oh, that. Okay. I don't know. That's a possibility, but still 53. Like, you got to think 53 records by 2005. I want to say it actually said 53rd studio album, which would mean that it's all studio albums, but I can't that confirm, would mean, so I don't want to. If he did a record a year, he had to put out his first record in five, in 52. But did he come out at a time when, like, were some of his albums standards albums, where they were putting out four, five, six albums a year because they were just standards? Oh, yeah, possibly. But still, that's that's just a crazy number. Maybe we'll have to listen to his reggae album, Country Man, for the podcast on, I don't know, a bonus episode. A bonus episode where it's a record we both haven't listened to? Yes. Uh, Billboard 200, the charts, sitting number one was Now That's What I Call Music 19. So that's where we records. But that's where we were in this time of music is that's what was selling product because none of the streaming or none of the videos or anything was in it. Sitting at number two on the charts, Emancipation of Mimi by Mariah Carey. Okay. Sitting at number five was Wanted by Bow Wow. I didn't even know he had an album that went that high. Uh, me neither. And then a couple that you may know, sitting at number nine was Demon Days by Gorillaz. That's a good one. And then number 10 was In Your Honor, Foo Fighters. Yes. Actually, not my favorite record by them, but I'm happy that they're up there. They're the, they're the one band that I can consistently count on at least hitting the top 10 and just being like, oh, Rock's not dead. <laughs> I've never listened to a Foo Fighters album. I know. It's it's on the list for you. Okay. <laughs> uh, Hot 100, track by tracks. We got number one, We Belong Together, Mariah Carey. Huge track. Huge track. So you get number two, I'm Rihanna with Ponder Replay. Number three, Don't Ya by the Pussycat Dolls featuring Buster Rhymes. Oh, I remember that track. Probably because of the video. Number four, Lose Control, Missy Elliott featuring Sierra and Fat Man Scoop. Don't know who Fat Man Scoop is. Don't Couldn't tell you. Nope, no idea. Five was Let Me Hold You by Bow Wow featuring Amarion. Couldn't tell you. Nope. The closest I could get to a, quote, rock uh, singles on this thing were number 13, You and Me by Lifehouse. And then number 15 was Scars by Papa Roach. Oh, Papa Roach. Based off those those charts, it's we were in a weird time music-wise. It's It's a really interesting time. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Back to Emery themselves, though. Away from the charts. While touring on the week's end cycle, the drummer Seth Studley decided to leave the band to get married. Dave Powell auditioned and officially joined in November of 05. He was 19 when he joined Emory and was intimidated by the studio drum tech while they were recording. (laughs) Really? The studio drum tech apparently was this guy named Awesome Alaska, who was the Pearl Jam drum tech for like years, I guess. Oh, wow. Well, I suppose I'd be intimidated as well then. Somebody who's been working in the the industry for that long and worked with... Pearl Jam and now working. But with... it is weird that he's still only a drum tech, though. Like, he's not even a session musician. Just Oh, that's true. 
That's true. This is when Josh Head also joined the band in between the albums. And he was originally Keys, but he actually wrote the drums in the early part of the writing process for Misbehaven also. So he was that was his writing and screaming debut on Misbehaven. Oh, wow. Okay. It's their first album with producer Aaron Sprinkle. I think Aaron Sprinkle, I realize I love his sound because I'm going to run through some other stuff he did here. Okay. Well, the first thing is he found and recorded M- MXPX. Like he was the, he's the guy who found MXPX. Sweet. I appreciate him. He recorded them for free in exchange for him to give the tape to tooth and nail. Like that. Oh, wow. He said, I'll record you guys, but I want, I want to be able to take this to where I want to take it. Oh, okay. Throughout the years, I guess Aaron Sprinkle had a, he never had a formal agreement with tooth and nail, but they kind of had this, I guess agreement. I just said agreement twice and I hate it. They had this agreement that he would produce a certain amount of albums for them each year. So they, they weren't like, he was just an independent contractor, but they had an agreement. Uh, Some other things he did. He did uh, the two, the almost records, Southern weather and monster monster. And when I read that, I said, that makes so much sense because I can hear the sonic similarities between those two records and this record. Sure. We, uh, we talked about Southern weather a little bit in our yes. first episode, I believe, but that was the only record I heard from the almost. So, and that was so long ago. Yeah, Monster Monster is a fun record. If you want to, I mean, maybe I'll throw it at you sometime. I don't know. Okay, but it's 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 a fun record. There's some fun songs on there. Uh, he did a bunch of Amberlynn records, some Demon Hunter records. Dude, Amberlynn. Yeah. Oh, I forget what record it was, but there was a time that I listened to that record all the time. He was a producer of most of the Cutlass records. And I don't know if you ever listened to Cutlass. I'm just Mm-mm. familiar with who they are. They're, they were a big Christian band of the time, I believe. Okay. But like, like, whereas Emery's a Christian band that succeeded in more the mainstream, I think Cutlass may have been a Christian band that succeeded more in Christian Oh, gotcha. Things like that. Okay. Like they were more on on the Christian circuit, I guess, that we touched on before, but we know nothing about. <laughs> right, right. Experts. We're experts. Oh, I did enough research to be an expert. <laughs> and he actually co-wrote one of the Cutlass records, too. He produced two MXPX records, and I wrote which one's down, because I know that you are a huge MXPX fan. Is it Poconaccia and Teenage Politics? You got one of them. Poconaccia is one of them. Okay. And then the other one is Secret Weapon. Oh wow, that's a that's a huge jump in the discography for that band. <laughs> it really is. That's crazy. Okay, I like it. He also produced some Newfound Glory, some Reliant K, some Thousand Foot Crutch, and some Zayo. Wow. Initially, Aaron Sprinkle said that he doesn't really like screaming. Like he he just he doesn't really like screaming at all. I can kind of feel that on this record, actually. I feel like this in on the question, the screaming definitely went from being a lead guitar to a rhythm guitar. It's definitely yeah. used much more sparingly and in the background, but still the, used. The crazy thing is when I first listened to this record, like my first listen through, so when I listened first, I just kind of uh it's kind of background music. Like I'm I'm doing something not really super paying attention, but I couldn't really pick out a whole lot of screaming on it. I was like, did they just stop? And then when I listened through again, like I picked it up more and more and paid more attention. But first listen through, I was like, where's, where's the screaming? Yeah. It's definitely, it's definitely more in the background. I mean, I think, I think there's some where some of these parts with the screaming are heavier than anything on the weeks and maybe outside of walls. Yeah, no. When I went back and paid it, paid closer attention. Yeah. There is some pretty heavy screaming parts, but yeah, my first my first reaction was like, okay, so we're we're not really doing that so much anymore. I think the the production on the thing 
with Aaron Sprinkle is so tight. Like it feels like such a clean, precise, tight album. And I was actually able to track down what the budget was for oh, Week's wow. End versus Question. I imagine it's a tremendous difference. Do you want to take a guess to what either of them are? Nope, not at all. Because I okay. have no idea. Uh, the budget for Week's End, Emery's first album, was $8,000. Okay. Yeah. And then the budget for the question, and I think this can be heard, was 80K. That, yeah. Yep. It sucks to say, but yes, that much money did. They definitely made this album sound so much cleaner and nicer. Without having a deal, it's hard to make a good sounding record back in the day. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Sprinkle, I listened to a uh, a whole episode of a couple guys from Emory have a podcast called the Bad Christian Podcast, and they had an interview with Aaron Sprinkle that I felt was necessary to listen to to fully get the scope of maybe he'll maybe he'll talk about the question, maybe he will, and that's how I learned all this stuff about Aaron Sprinkle. He said that the albums he's produced over the years have sold about five to seven million copies. Wow! So I mean, he's doing okay. Yeah, he's not he's not hurting much. Um, another thing I learned though while listening to that podcast was with that episode particularly was when you are a christian band and you're signed to a record company like tooth or nail solid state what have you you have a built-in distribution like all of the christian bookstores everything distributes your stuff they have contracts so even though they said it wasn't a major part of what they were that extra 10 15 percent that other bands maybe would never get maybe why emory survived right which is wild to think of that is I wouldn't think of going to a Christian bookstore to pick up my music. A couple more things about the production and the album. Five weeks recording. They knocked this out in five weeks. In the studio, the band made sweet tea in five gallon jugs and used them in like those, the like the water cooler. They, made, yeah. they turned that into sweet tea because I didn't know if you knew this. I know we said that they were from South Carolina, but I don't think I was expecting them to all have Southern accents. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't think about it, but I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then like Sweet Tea. Yeah. Yeah. That they're, they're definitely Southern. Like South Carolina yeah. is a Southern state. Okay. Yeah. Here's a, f- a fun bit of information that maybe you picked out. Maybe not. I wouldn't have been able to know this for all the money in the world. There was a, and I'm going to say this is probably affected by that 80K budget. There was a different snare drum on every single track of this record. I picked it up on a few tracks. Just because I was I was listening, I've been, I don't know why. Like I've never been a drummer, but I've been picking up drums on like every record I've been listening to lately for some reason. But yeah, in a couple of these tracks, I could tell there was at least it was it was at least tuned differently. I didn't I didn't realize it was a different snare altogether, but it, you can tell tuning different. Yeah, that's that's wild. That's really wild. And then this is for the drum heads out there because this didn't mean anything to me, but it's it was shared as if it was something cool and important on <laughs> Freddie on Freddie Mercury. The snare that was used was a six lug snare, 14 by six and a half. OK, so 14 inches around six and a half deep, six lugs. I think six I lugs is I believe um, normal is like 14. Oh, damn. OK, but I don't know what that means, but that's for the drum heads. So there you go. Got that information for you. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. The band had presented that the question is probably sold 200,000 physical units since it op- since it dropped. So like up through today, it's probably sold 200,000. The Tooth and Nail CEO, Brandon Ebel, said if it wasn't for file sharing that was like going absolutely crazy at the time, that this oh, yeah. album would have sold 757 million copies. <laughs> Whoa. 
That's a that's a big number. But I mean, I'm going to be honest. This album definitely came out at that time where everybody was sharing. Everybody was just burning CDs. Everybody oh, was yeah. downloading music. Like it's just wire like no other. And then this last bit of information I have just about the album real quick is I did so much research because I've been trying to figure out the ages of these band members. Okay. And I, because I heard something in passing when I was researching for the last episode that they were the oldest guys on this on this tour, and it was it was a tour with like their contemporary bands. Oh, so okay. in my head, I was like, I got to figure out what like how old are these guys. I ended up figuring out that I think Toby Morell, like the vocalist guitarist, is was thirty one when this album came out. Whoa, which which to me makes this album i think that's the reason this album seems so much more mature like it seems like a more mature album coming out sure yeah i think the first album was like hey you know the scene this is what's hopping we're just going to jump in here and do our thing and put our twist on it and then on this album the question they came along and they're they're older than all their contemporaries so they're more mature already they're and they're musically more mature Right. So then they put out a more mature record that has seen bits in it. But I think this album is way more Emery than it is seen. Because if you look at some of the other bands from back then. I mean, I, I, ha- I was going to say, I have a question about the time that it came out. Because I got a certain vibe off this record, like from the get go. I got a very early Panic at the Disco kind of vibe off of a lot of these songs. I, I heard somebody was mentioning that it sounded like. Panic at the Disco before they did their, um, like their burlesque stuff. Like that, it sounded like that kind of situation. I, I I didn't listen to Panic at the Disco pre their first record, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out, but it, it definitely has those vibes. Like to me, like when I listen. So returning the smile you have had from the start. That one I got really heavy pa- uh, Panic at the Disco vibes. But there was a couple, yeah. Maybe I'll like Panic of the Disco. Is that what at least you're that me? at least that first record? It's a possibility because I've never listened. I've never listened to a full Panic of the Disco album. I listened to so I liked the first one, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. I listened to the second one that I can't remember the title of because it wasn't worth remembering because I didn't like it that much. And I'm then gonna I put that album down and listen to it because if if those vibes are coming from this and you're the second person that I heard say that, I, I'm gonna have to enjoy that album. Because I'll lay my cards on the table right now. Before listening to this for this and studying this and researching this. Yeah. If you'd asked me what Emery album, even just out of the two is my favorite, I'd have said Weeks End hands down. Mm. I think Question Blows Weeks End out of the water personally. I, I think this album is unbelievable. Oh, okay. This album, this album blew my mind this week. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, it I got put you. me through it. It put me through it in a different way than Mac Miller's album put me through <laughs> Right, right. Studying Politics is the single. Yes, and that one I also have written down that it started with a strong panic at the disco vibe. I guess I guess I can hear that in that, but maybe because I would have known of Emery, I think, before I knew of Panic at the Disco. So maybe whenever I heard some like Panic at the Disco do it, I was like, "Oh, this sounds like an Emery ripoff with not as good vocalist." But that would just be you know jaded, <laughs> cynic me. Yeah, uh, Brendan Urie, the singer for Panic at the Disco, his vocal chops are insane. I will say that I'm not I'm not into them much at all, but his vocals are like his voice is phenomenal. He's got range. Like I said, I've I've heard their hits. Right. That that's what I'm basing it off of as well, is okay. the hits, the recent hits. But yeah, his vocals 
man. Uh, studying politics is a it's a it's about a man who realizes that he's been cheated on multiple times and he's finally taking a stand. I caught that. Yeah, yeah. I caught that out of there. Yeah. A lot a lot of their stuff is uh it's not very coded. Like you can get there. Yeah. While I was listening to this, I made up a term, and this album <laughs> isn't a scene album, but it's it's seasoned with the scene. It's seasoned. It's a it's a Salt Bay. Yes, scene zening. There's a little bit of scene zening on it. I like it. I like that. Listening to Freddie Mercury was a turn for this band. Uh, it was. I mean, the final lyric is, "It's not our job to make anyone believe." Right. And then the whole song is just about like questioning. You know, we're not perfect. You know, nobody is. I think that track's great, and every name that's in that track is somebody that they know personally. Okay. That's neat. Win-win situation was written by Toby to his wife about the loneliness both feel and how much they miss each other when he's touring with Emery. Oh, I feel like that's a vibe up your alley. Okay, since we're getting into it, I did. I liked that track a whole lot until the friggin' outro, and I hated it. It turned for me. Yeah, because that's the that's the closer, isn't it? Yeah, it's the closer. Yeah, didn't bother me, and I think it worked. If it would have been in the middle of this album, I don't think that outro would have worked. But at the end, no. I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, it's there for me. It's whatever." I lo- I like the rocking chair. The, the there's a few parts in this record that I'm like, certain turns took me away from enjoying the song, each song in particular. Ooh, I'm excited. What? Give me, give me, give me another one out of a different song. Okay, uh, the first song. Which was uh, so cold I could see my breath. Yes. It had so many different parts. Like I, I I actually got to the point where I went back, listened, and like diagrammed what I thought each part of the song was. And there is one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, eleven parts to that song. Like eleven different musical changes, along with lyric, like not lyric changes, but um, like uh, uh, vocal tempos changed up. I was like, my head was just spinning after that first song, because what I wrote down is it's there's an intro, a verse, a pre-chorus, the chorus, then another verse, a pre-chorus that is extra sized, uh, uh, so extra large. Uh, uh, another chorus, a bridge, the chorus again, a second bridge, and then an outro. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that, that is, that is a large song. And do you, do you see that as a negative thing? Because I feel like that could lend itself to the, their, their writing complexity. I get that. For me, it was kind of a negative. I'm going to say it probably appealed to me with my mindset of the time of I will get bored by a song quickly. Okay. So some, something like that, I think that now, now I'm thinking that may have negatively impacted my, my ability to listen to longer songs. <laughs> See, now you can't listen to black metal. I love the song. I, I, I'll, I'll, again, I'll lay my cards on the table. That's in my top three tracks. I love Is it. Is it really? Okay. The opener, the opener is in my I top three. I love that track. My, my big takeaway from this record as a whole is they had a lot of ideas for this record based off of the, the, even the second song had a lot of switch ups. I didn't diagram that one because I, <laughs> I just couldn't. Um, but there was a lot of parts in that one as well. And then a lot of the songs, like I said, had, um, it had like a different dynamic changes and then kind of like a weird outro at a part or 
something like that. Even um, I thought it was a weird outro, but the ninth song that in between fourth and second street, um, it's only like 32 seconds, mm-hmm. but I thought it was part of uh, misbehaving. So actually that threw me off from my enjoyment of misbehaving the first time I listened to it because I, like by that time I had thought that it was, Oh, they're just throwing a, a wacky, different idea outro type thing onto this song but then yeah i came came around to actually looking at the track listing when i when i listened closer and then realized oh okay no misbehaving is great i'm gonna have to go so far as to say i agree with everything you say (laughs) right but but like you're but the way you're coming at it as not exactly a positive whereas i think all that stuff with aaron sprinkle i think the production on this thing makes it viable sure. i think i think this is i think even all those things aside this is a more accessible record for somebody than the week's end like just oh, for yeah. a, a layman it'd be easier to get into the question than it would be week's end i agree and i'm i'm, I'm not trying to come negative like i i can get where where it, it kind of, it would come off negative i i like this record i guess it surprised me more because the week's end wasn't as complex it, no, it was a it was a more of a cookie cutter scene record, right? And this one, this one was such a large jump from the week's end that I was like, oh wow, okay. And I like I it took me a couple listens to uh, finally feel the flow of the record. Like I didn't get it right. We usually ask this question, but I didn't get it the first time I listened to it. So how many how many listens did it take to, for you to get it then? Probably until my my deep listen to it, uh, probably like third time. So do you? So probably until you were looking at the track list. Yeah, till I was paying attention. Which is interesting because technically, if you would have gotten, if you would have purchased this album when it came out in 05, mm-hmm. you probably you probably have it in a jewel case. Yep. Um, you're flipping it over. You see the back how it says, you know, the question. You figure out that every track is asking the question. Yeah. And then this album was actually nominated for a Dove Award for Best Packaging. Okay. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't think it won, but I feel like actually was this not in a jewel case and it flipped open like the letter that it looks like in the picture? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I know my vinyl doesn't. Right. But I mean, I I, I tried looking into the Dove Awards and who won that year, and I said this is a little much. <laughs> Are the Dove Awards a Christian award? Oh, I didn't even think about that, but it definitely sounds like it would be. It sounds like it would be. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Well, that tells you how far right. I got into, into researching the Dove Awards. Is I, I clicked on the connected link on Wikipedia. It came up, and I just was like, No, no. Nah. <laughs> right. Uh, let's get into some other people's Throne Owner Groans, I guess. Because that's basically what a review is, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just a longer Throne Owner Groan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on all music, it had 3.5 stars, and the user rating gave it four stars. Okay. Jason McNeil said, and I quote, Emery try their best to fall just outside the vast domain that is emo, but for all their efforts, the shimmering guitars, melodic verses, and at times larger-than-life choruses, their attempts fail. Hmm. I wouldn't go that far. The thing that I hear in this album a lot that, that puts this, the, the word in my head is soaring. A lot of their vocals are soaring on this thing. Where before they were pretty high, but they were just flying. I feel like this thing is constantly being pushed up by like a huge wind gust, like a cartoonish wind gust <laughs> underneath it. All the vocals are soaring to me. But Jason McNeil didn't really like it, apparently. Apparently. Can't break out of the emo. Right. He said. The emo. 
Like it's a disease. At the time, I think people thought it was. It's crazy to me. Yeah. It's it's wild. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll probably go so far as to say that there was a time where I probably talked negatively about emo music. I guarantee it. While I'm wearing a Cannibal Corpse shirt and telling people that I'm the hardest dude in the world. <laughs> right. Like, I guarantee you that happened. Right. The second review we have from JesusFreakHideout.com because there, there's not a lot of older reviews of this album out there. Uh, they gave it 4.5 stars. There's no user ratings on Jesus Freak Hideout. Oh, man. Josh Taylor says, and I quote, as a whole, it seems poignantly directed at teenagers who wish to blame others for their pain and heartache. Major points to Emery for being the first band in a long time to state the obvious. The fault is their own. Okay. And I think that plays into the maturity of this thing is it's I think a lot of the scene bands were the world around me is the reasons for my problems. Whereas Emery's Emery's like looking more inwardly saying, no, 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 no. We we are our own. I gotcha. Yeah, no, that's. That tracks. I like it. And then I just got the the Discogs number for this. It's It was given 4.49 out of 5 stars on Discogs. Not bad. Got some good reviews there. Jason McNeil wasn't a fan. I, I, if I would have said beforehand what my favorite Emory album is, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been... This one, I wouldn't even have thought about. Like, there's one very particular album that I think is their, is my favorite of theirs, but also I haven't revisited it, so... Oh, okay. We may see that. We may see that later. Sure. But this album, to me now, I'm so happy that I own this on vinyl currently. Like I would be, I would have been upset if if I would have gotten this deep into this record and I didn't own this because I I love this album. Do you, Do you know how much it costs to find an album <laughs> to find one of these? Are they expensive now? Because I got mine real cheap. Yeah, I can't find it, and it was something ridiculous on Discogs, I believe. That's I think I got mine from Discogs, but it would it would have been like a year or two ago so is there like a or is it is it is it there's no research well there might be a little research resurgence of emory but is it more of a vinyl resurgence situation i i believe it might be uh because there's where like somebody who listened to this record went back and they're like oh yeah let's find this on vinyl and now they're hard to find so the limited edition clear copy is it might be the one i have oh well it's 199 dollars right now the cherry red limited edition uh isn't for sale but the last sold was $144. How many copies are there? Like, what are the different variants of it? There's three three different variants. And then there's a silver splash that is also not currently for sale. But the highest price it sold at was $70. The The silver splash one was a repress in 2018. Uh, what else do you have track? You, you, you told me you took a lot of notes track by track on this. So what else you got? I did go track by track. Let's run it down and see how much I disagree. All right. Well, the first song I gave you... Tons of different changes went through my uh, my diagram of the song. Second song, which was playing with fire, uh, switched up the lead singer. I dug that. I thought that was pretty uh, pretty cool move, uh, taking the the background vocalist and bringing him to the forefront. And I actually dug his voice a lot. I thought it sounded great. Um, and then they had the double vocals on this one too throughout little parts. And you know I'm a sucker for that, so really loved it. I'm gonna be honest. Every time I hear that now, every time I hear like doling vocalist, it just makes me so happy because I think of how happy you are while you're hearing. Right. It. So like every time <laughs> yeah. I heard it on this record, I was like, oh, Scott's loving this right now. Yep, I totally <laughs> did. Uh, and the second song had a whole lot of switch ups again, like I said before. The third song, which is "Returning the Smile You Have Had" from the start, uh, starts out with a bang. Loved it. And then it went into um, an early panic at the disco vibe, like I said earlier. 
uh, super crazy dynamic changes, and it doesn't quite feel as long as the first couple songs. Because in those switches, I started to be like, "Oh my gosh, how long is this song?" Uh, third song, not so much. That's crazy though. Like it's it's the opposite for me. Like with that with that many switches, I'm like hooked. It stays fresh for I'm you. Hooked every switch, and then when the song yeah. ends, I'm like. All right, next one, I guess. Let's go. <laughs> right. I get that. I think um, I think as air quotes artist, uh, I have previously written songs. Uh, thinking of the work that went into putting nine different parts into a single song, I, I think maybe that's what uh, that's what exhausted me the most. Okay. Just being like, I can't be- I can't imagine trying to switch up my chord progressions that much or writing lyrics differently and trying to squeeze them into parts of a song like that. Yeah, that's exhausting. I'm, I'm very much a uh, verse chorus, verse chorus type dude. Maybe a bridge. <laughs> yeah, maybe it, it might be uh, just an instrumental bridge, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, fourth song uh studying politics we talked about a little bit earlier very strong panic at the disco vibe uh, and now before you continue on these next couple tracks i have written down here track run from studying politics alibis and lying eyes freddie mercury weakest and misbehaving that i that track run to me is stunning like it's just banger 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 okay i will say one of those songs is in my top three is or is you said it's one of those songs is in my top three yes one of those is, four it, songs. is it misbehaving no is it weakest? <laughs> no. Okay, no, I, I I didn't want it to be weakest because I actually think weakest is one of the weakest tracks on the album. Yeah, but but with this run, it works for me. I it's it's a song I enjoyed a lot, but it's not my top three. I have I have a lot of songs that I really enjoyed. Yes, on this record, I I don't want to when I talk about the negative parts of these songs, I'm not shitting on them at all. Mm. No. Like I'm, I, my brain picks apart things and not necessarily in a bad way that might come off negatively, the kind of weird way to explain it. But, but I think it'll be easier the longer we do this and like the way we're talking, it'll be easier for us to say those things and not have to justify it because I mean, we, we both already know that we're not here to be negative about things, to be negative about things. Yeah, not at all. So once once the, the general, quote, listener gets that, mm-hmm. then I think it'll, it'll be easier for us because we don't want to sound like we're shitting on something to shit on something. We're just Right, yeah, not at all. It. Like me picking things apart and not necessarily pointing out weaknesses in songs isn't me saying that I didn't like the song. That's just me picking it apart because i like dissecting songs it's it's one of my things and it'll make it so much better once we get something that you really do hate and then you just get the shit on it just full. oh i can't wait for that day did you hear i may have sent it to you 21 savage talking about drake no 21 savage was was asked about drake somehow and he said that future's a bigger artist in atlanta than drake and somebody said, you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. And he goes, he's, he's like, no, listen, listen. He's like, Drake doesn't put out mixtapes. Drake puts out albums. Yep. The people in my neighborhood, we live about mixtapes and we live in the club. And, and that's all we see. We don't see the billboard. Atlanta's a whole different game. I was like, yeah, 21 Savage is too real for saying this, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, I, okay. 
I don't live in Atlanta. I don't have my my ear to the ground in Atlanta, but I know for a fact that Southern hip hop artists put out a tremendous amount of mixtapes, and that's what it's about. Like, make, they they don't give a shit about studio albums; they're about mixtapes in the South. It's it's real weird that though. Before we started, you were just telling me how much you had your pulse on Atlanta. Like you were just like, I know everything about it. <laughs> I got my finger on the pulse. I really know everything about Atlanta, man. I'm telling you, this is my Atlanta episode. I'm going to come at you. <laughs> Give me an opening. I've driven through Atlanta once. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would love to go to Atlanta. I've never been near it, but I would love to go. Uh legit, I, I drove through it once. It was it was cool. It was a big it's a big city. What uh what's next on your track rundown? Uh oh, I was still on studying politics. The only thing studying politics was one of those songs that I didn't like the outro. And that was that weird white white lies okay. thing that just didn't fit with the song and the the first two lines of studying politics it i feel like it's just so, it's so well written like I, mm-hmm. I like it's like a pencil with the roses at both ends we want it all but we're dealing in persons like i love yeah. that that lyric so much I, it, it yeah it almost gives me chills just saying it let alone yeah. when i listen to it i, I love right that track. studying politics is my favorite track on this album period Okay, gotcha. Um, that studying politics is one song that I really felt like they incorporated the keyboards really well in this record, much better than the week's end. Like I remember when we talked about the week's end, I told you that the keyboards didn't feel right; they didn't feel like a part of the song, like they were just thrown in there. This record did a really good job of making space for the keyboards to fill it in the songs that it was in and and i think we can thank aaron sprinkles production on that Probably. but i also i don't know who played keyboards on the first album but josh head the keyboardist joined in between weeks end in this album so it, it it's most likely a completely different guy playing keys right well i i appreciate his work on this record uh i thought they were placed perfectly and not awkward at all except for the organ on the outro of win-win situation i didn't even mind that so much i think it was the female vocals that were just so like i've gotten to a place where i can admit that i don't like like feel female vocals that much but i can also admit when i do like them uh you know we we've talked before about like adele we i we both love her yes um there are female vocalists that i've talked about uh with you that i do like but whoever this was on win-win situation it, it was i didn't like her voice at all i i don't know if it's as much her voice as the style of singing because it that style even the guy singing on that i was i, I yeah it didn't feel right it worked for me because like in my head and i don't know if this is because i consider emory a christian band even though like their christianity isn't in their music so much eh, yeah it kind of is but not not as much i felt like that end was like me like leaving a like a big church barn. I don't know. That's just what it felt like to me. Like I was just walking out like, all right, hey, we're done here, guys. I guess I'll see yeah. you next see you next week. Sign of the cross at the door, I'm out. Let's go get some donuts. Yes. You church kids will know that. You will know that reference. <laughs> all right. What's after uh studying politics? Alibis and lying eyes. Top three song. Oh, I man. loved this song. I, Back and forth vocals. Uh, I love the chorus, the bridge with the the double and triple vocals. If you listen to them real close, um, was just great. Like I I love when um, 
artists double up on certain vocals. This is this is one of my Jay Z things. He did this a lot. He emphasizes certain words with a double vocal that you don't really necessarily pick up on, but it's in there. They did this with the with um with the bridge. They had a double clean vocal and then emphasized that with a, a, a screaming vocal in the background. Loved it. It was beautiful. Did you happen to listen to this track at all while you were driving? Probably. I've listened to this record more than the week's end. Because uh, that track while driving makes me want to like have a drone cam on my car and just be just zipping down like a desert road. <laughs> it's I feel like that track has just movement to it. Like it really yeah. feels like it's moving. There's a lot of motion in it. And I think it's an exciting track. I love it's it's in my it's in my top three. So I, I've already told you yep. my top three now at this point. Studying politics number one, and then two and three uh, could be switched up. It's so cool. I can see my breath and alibis and lying eyes. Right. I don't have like I can't pick out one, two, and three. I just know my top three. Um, well, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna be honest. I had I had trouble picking out two and three until we started having this conversation. Like I I knew studying politics <laughs> was one, and then I was right. like I was like I, I mean I kind of just. Other than there's two tracks on this on this record that I I think are weaker and it's uh, the weakest, the weakest, and uh, terrible secret I don't think is uh, exceedingly anything to me. Is that one of your favorites? Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah, like th- there's there's moments of that track that I really like, but all in all, to me that track was just kind of okay. It's on it's on the record. What do you what do you okay. have written down about it? Uh, see, beautiful, straightforward rocker. The double vocals at the end of this song are magic. Another top three song. Oh, I love it. I love it. One of the ones that I felt was just a good track. It was what do you I love it. Yep. At least I didn't love Jet Fuel last week. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What do you have to say about Misbehaving? I I need to know what you got about Misbehaving. There's the singer does that upper range for like a line yeah that just doesn't feel right to me okay um and then another oh this this was the one where i said the that that 32 second song in between oh, fourth yeah. and fifth, second street yeah. that i thought was the outro so uh my initial notes for this song was what the hell is that outro and then in parentheses i have oh not an outro just an unneeded 32 second song and I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I made you skip it. But what was your Freddie Mercury opinions? This was heavy Panic at the Disco. Okay. Like this. This was my most Panic at the Disco song. Okay. On this record. Yeah, I, I guess I can hear that now. It's weird that I never, yeah. I never thought about that. But then again, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't fuck with uh, Panic at the Disco super heavy. So I, I gotta, I'm right. gonna have to listen to that first record. <laughs> See, I'm, my review of this record is making me sound like I'm a Panic at the Disco fanboy, but really, I only listened to that first record. And it apparently it just left an impression on me. Man, I mean, you told me before we started, Panic at the Disco in Atlanta. That's the only two things you know about. (laughs) I don't know about anything else. That's it. it. I'm here to talk about Panic at the Disco and Atlanta, and hopefully we can figure out how to talk about them together. Can we incorporate that into this album review? Because that's all I got. Do you have anything about any any other tracks jump out or not jump out to you? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I wrote down for my other top three. My other, my two of the my other two of the top three. Uh, oh, I already did tell you about uh, terrible secret. Thought it was beautiful, straightforward. Double uh, vocals at the end were magic, and then 
I absolutely loved the beginning of in a lose lose situation. Um, it just it stuck with me, and then the rest of that track I just thought was fantastic. Actually, this this run of um, the last three songs, excluding the outro on win win situation, I thought was a great closing to the record. And it, if it had ended before the the exiting the church outro, um, I would have loved that last three. So if you were listening to this in 05, I imagine you had some type of Walkman CD player. It would have been a Discman, yeah. And you had this in there and that track ended. How fast do you turn it off? Like, do you even hear that final part? Or are you changing tracks during that silence part? I usually kept things on repeat so you would so i probably would have heard it if i had cut it off and just switched discs Mm -hmm. real quick you'd be telling everybody about this album it's great this album is so great (laughs) which i'm not saying it's not it is good i really do like it but i would have been like oh best last three songs of an album ever and th- that outro kills the final song for you completely. It like, kind of does. Like it, like it, what? Uh, not completely. Be- not completely because I, I did say I did like it. The the last three songs. If you cut out that outro, beautiful, wonderful. What if I told you that it's not considered an outro on the liner notes? It's considered a hidden track. Is it really? It is. I would appreciate it more. <laughs> it's considered a hidden track on the, the so it's not part of the song. Okay, so oh man, I'd have to find a CD because if it's if it does drop there and you have to wait like, I don't know, 30 seconds for it yeah. to start up, I would have a completely different opinion on the back end of this record. And But then I'm also wondering, was there initially a longer silence there? And they were like, guys, we need 41 minutes. You knock that 30 second silence off. It's not 4130. This album's going to be 41 minutes even. See, I would have told them to extend it to 42 even. Yeah. It is considered a hidden track. Okay. All right, that does slightly, that does kind of change my opinion, even though like when I, because I downloaded it. Yeah, and it's still part of the album. Yes. It's still the final thing you hear. It's the taste you have in your mouth when the album's done. Right. And that's the thing, I guess. Like if it was, if it was listed as a separate track, I would just take it as, oh man, another like 32 second unneeded interlude. Yeah. Um, Then it would, it definitely would have changed my opinion on the very end of this record and i would have loved it even more i do like it i think it's great but i would have appreciated it a lot more and then been like why why did you throw this at the end and now we have uh, i don't know if you had this in mind while you were listening we have the bookend test you take the first song of the album the last song of the album playing back to back see if you can feel here a journey in there of whatever you think that journey is be it vibe wise be it musically be it lyrically uh, did do you have an opinion on the bookend test for this? Because I do. Oh, it's it's a tremendous journey. Yes, I I agree hundred percent. Yeah, the I mean, there's there's a journey in just the first half of the first track for me. Like that 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 was that was you know hiking through Cambodia. There there was a journey. First track, so cold I could see my breath. To the closer in a win win situation. Now. That final part being a hidden track, I didn't know if I should. I mean, if that's the final track that we're comparing to So Cold, I could see my breath. It's oh, yeah. it's a different sound. But I feel like if if it's in production and it's put out as a hidden track, then it's just hidden. It's not. The yeah, final it's track. not right. No. So, yeah, I think it's I, I definitely feel like from the first track is more 
the first track definitely sounds like who Emery, I think, is and who they will continue to be apart from this. But it has more of the Weeks End Emery in there. And then I think by the time they reach this final track, they're even more mature than they were from the first the first track. Yes. I And I'll admit, I'm much more a fan of the second half of this record than I am the first half. See, I think the first half of this is stronger. That's awesome. I See, that's that. so crazy. About that. And uh, based off of this album and the two albums that you've heard of Emery so far, do you mm-hmm. have an idea of what do you think their next album sounds like? Do you have an idea no of what where you think they're going or anything? Absolutely no clue. Are you excited to know? Like, are you excited to learn that maybe at some point? Yeah. Okay. I, I have a feeling that it's going to come up, so I'm not going to listen to it in my free time. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but yeah, I'm curious, super curious to know where they go from here. Uh, I guess I, I have an idea that it'd be the more mature sounding um, and not so scene centric um, okay. sound that they're working on on this record, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what the third record is about. Do you have anything else to throw at me? Oh no, we throw an owner grown. Let's do that. I think I already know though. I think it's I think it's an own because you were saying yeah. If you looked it up on vinyl, you were yeah. You if, were trying to own it. If I could freaking find it, I would own it. I mean, I I purchased it from Amazon the digital download, so technically I own it. But I would love to own a physical copy. I just can't find one. And I know I know this isn't going to help you because we've talked about this before, but I. I'm like 85% sure that Emery just put out the Question Live album also. <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> just, just repress the studio tracks, please. Oh, man. Good stuff. So this, yeah. is, this is an own for you, though? A solid oh, own? Oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. I would, I would grab this up if I saw it anywhere. Um, do you have anything else about this? About this album? You got anything else to throw at me? Anything in your notes we missed? No, uh, I, you know, regardless of what I said, track by track, I actually did really like this album. I, I dug it a lot. Did you, you, you liked it more than week's end? You said you listened to it more. It's different. It's different from the week's end. Yeah. Um, so I can't say that I liked it more. I, I just like them. I like them both. Okay. Uh, and they're both, uh, d- different flavors of the same band. Yeah. And I appreciate that. I think one of them may be not seasoned as seasoned. much, and I think I think the the less seasoned one is the Emery that Emery is. I think that gotcha. I think that's where I think that if anything, this album was them saying, "Hey, like we have arrived. This is who we are." Right. But we'll see moving forward because, like I've said, I don't, I don't know where they went after a certain point either. Because I lost, I, I just stopped listening or didn't see their releases. Maybe once they started releasing their own stuff, I wasn't like tuned into that and I didn't see that. I don't know. Okay. Well, you stopped going to the Christian bookstores. That's what it was. Yeah, they all closed down, man. Yeah. You know, business was drying up. Before we close up, do you have an album of the week? We're gonna start doing an album of the week. Something you've been listening to this week that you just want to shout out. Something you've been enjoying. Yeah, I've been uh, enjoying uh, the new Idola record, The Architect. I know you and I have both talked about it, yes. uh, and we had differing opinions, but yes, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, really cool. Um, it's funny because I slightly shit on this record for having a lot of change-ups in the music, but that record has a ton. Uh, Just done differently, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I came into uh, the Emory record expecting more season scene scenes. And uh, <laughs> might not be the best word I've ever created, but <laughs> we got it. I have to think about it before I say it. So I didn't have anything to expect on the Idola record. And I just came into it and got a very uh, protest the hero vibe from it. And protest the heroes record Poundcest was one of my favorites that year it came out. I got a very strong feeling like that. And I just loved it. Uh, I think the vocalist has pretty phenomenal range. Uh, the guitarist and the drums in particular just go off. And uh, I thought it was great. I, I did really like the drums on that. I did. I, I did say that that is one part that was a, a shining piece. They were up record. front and present too. They weren't just like drums can be, you know, seen as like kind of a background instrument. Like they're, they're, they're there for the beat. They don't really show off very much. But on this record, the architect, holy crap, they were all over. They were fantastic. Or you could use a different snare every track. <laughs> yeah, that's another way you could go. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> that is another from. way you could go. If there's anything we've learned, we're both two giant drum aficionados. We know everything there is to know about drums. <laughs> we might change the title of this to Drumcast. Just yeah. is what we do. Drums, Atlanta. <laughs> and that's Panic at the Disco. And panic at the disco. Talk about a good weekend. Uh, my album of the week is Cookin' Soul's album, Good Job. I don't really know anything about Cookin' Soul. I think they're like a producer duo, maybe. Okay. The only reason I even stumbled upon this album is because they have a, a Freddie Gibbs feature, and I'm always on the lookout for a Freddie Gibbs feature, and he destroyed it. And it was it. phenomenal. He did an amazing job on that. There's a Mac Miller feature on this track. Uh, Willie the Kid's on this. Currency's on this. And I, I know everybody's been hoping for another Currency uh, verse and i i don't mean that negatively towards currency i just mean if there's <laughs> anything that you can guarantee it's that currency's putting an album out at least <laughs> once every two weeks like he dropped him <laughs> him and griselda they drop so often that if you're a fan you can't be mad because they drop so often that they, they could go two years without dropping something and they have enough that okay we'll just listen to these 45 albums you guys put out last month for sure and i love it you got anything else anything else sad before we sign off on this I got a record for you for next week. Please, I'm excited because I know your son was involved in this somehow. He was. Uh, he wanted to. Uh, he wanted to hear us talk about a record he knows about. So I'm giving you a record that many people on this side of the pond probably don't know about, and that is Mayhem Death Crush. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to use the joke again. I, 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 it was it was too good when I said it to you in the message that it needed to be used again. That's su that's such a good joke. The I, the idea that oh man, we got to do something my son loves, and it's just the, <laughs> the original dirty, filthy, disgusting sounding black metal. It's just yeah, that's it. That's what we got to do, guys. I mean, he digs it, but my wife doesn't like listening to it in the car. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> what, what's the album? No. I'm sorry. Uh, the album is Everything This Way by the band Walking on Cars. I know nothing about... Yeah. Is this Irish? This is Irish. Okay. This is a band that I only came across because... You went to Ireland. Shout out to my sister for getting married in Ireland. I got to go to a, a music shop and find some new stuff. And I, I do recall you sending me snippets of... A couple tracks, but I mean, that's it. Just like 20 second snippet of a track here I, or there. I think those tracks that I sent you were from, were a, different from album. a different album. Okay. Yeah, their their album Monster that came out 
two years ago. The only point of reference I have for Irish music is Flogging Molly. Okay. And uh, if you want to consider Dropkick Murphy's Irish, that's Boston, really. But, you know... (laughs) It sounds Irish sometimes, and that's it. I'm not giving anything away. Yeah, no, don't. I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't fishing for anything. I was just. I, that's, I'm no. just stating. That's all I got. I'm very excited to see what you come away with on this record. One of the things that I realized is a negative about this show is mm-hmm. you and I talk so much about music just throughout the week of like what we're listening to and what we're what we're yeah. listening to that like when I know that we're listening to the same record and I can't talk to you about it at like, if I'll hear a track and I'm like, Oh my God. And I don't have anybody to text. Like nobody else is listening to that album right now. Yeah. So I just got to hold it in, write it down and wait for the show. And it, there, there was so many times listening to this Emery record that I was like, Oh my God, the double vocal is on. Yes. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't let me write it down in my notes and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Like, I realized that, like, this week listening to this, I was like, man, I just want to ask him, like, immediately what he thinks about this part. I want to ask him what he thought about right. this part. But I there, I couldn't. So it was just like, well, I guess it'll make for a better show. I know. I wanted to say that about, like, the the journey of the first track on this Emory record. Be like, how many fucking parts are in this song? But then I was like, no, I got to save it. Let yeah. me write down this diagram of the song, and then I can talk about it. <laughs> make sure you take a picture of that diagram and, and tweet that out. Sure. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter uh, at a y l pod. If you have suggestions for us to listen to something, maybe we'll figure out bonus episode situation. Maybe we'll figure out some way to do a reaction video. Even if it's only yeah, like a track or something, we'll figure something out. I don't know. Yeah, listener input would be would be fun. I'd like yeah. that. Yeah, anything. Uh, actually, one thing I do want to know if you are listening, I want to know if you listen to the album before we do the show listen to the album after we do the show or not listen to the album at all. I I, I just wanted oh, yeah. to know, I, I'd like, I just, it's interesting to me because I listen to a few music podcasts and there are some that if it's on an album, maybe I'll listen to the album first. Maybe I sure. won't. It just, it just depends. So maybe it's the same situation. I don't know. Yeah. That would be interesting to know. And then tell us if you agree, disagree, whatever. Yeah. Just don't no No unnecessary negativity. That's not what we're here for ever. <laughs> no unnecessary negativity. I'll take the negativity. I can deal with it. Yeah. You'll take it. Head, it. head right down to Atlanta. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Thank you, my friend, for all the work that you do on the pod. I want to shout you out. Try my best. Heavy. Try my best. Cause, uh, th- thanks to, thanks to Brandon for all the editing. Cause, uh, he works hard on this. He Scott, hard on this podcast. Scott, Scott brings the talent and he just says, you know what? I'm not touching anything else. I'm just, I'm, I'm just the talent <laughs> and I'm going to move on from here. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to stop the show. I'm going to put these headphones down and not think about the show for another six days. That's right. <laughs> no, but th- th- thank you. I'm going to do the bare minimum of research on the, on the record that I suggest. And then that's it. I'm going to forget about it. I just do too much. I do too much about everything. Yeah. Listen to the record. Don't listen to the record. Let us know what you think. Um, are you listening? Are you listening? On the track Misbehaving, that was he was screaming on that. He was on the screams.